Okay, so the reading is um, Job chapter 42. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite and Sophar the Namathite did what the Lord told them and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a thousand yoke of oxen and a thousand donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter he named Jemima, the second Keziah, and the third Karen Hakush. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived a hundred and forty years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so Job died an old man and full of years. So uh, what I'd like for us to do now is just think through um, some of the implications from Job. We're not gonna preach right through the chapter, don't worry about that, but it's a book that makes us stop and think. It also makes me as a preacher sit up and think, 
there are no glib answers to suffering, and that includes matters like disease that we're experiencing now. And my prayer is I don't fall into that temptation today. Uh, I'm a minister, I'm not a medic, so if any of these matters disturb you, um, then please do seek help from friends who uh, can pray with you, or indeed professional help should you need it. Let's just pray. Um, Father, as we open your word and as we ponder on what we've all been experiencing together, uh, would you help us to comprehend you in the midst of all this? In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Is it just me or am I getting... Oh, fine. Thank you. Um, now, the book of Job in 30 seconds. Um, Job was God's friend. He certainly knew about uh, loss of family, of things he owned, his friends, his home, and the list goes on. Now, he had three friends who basically came and gave him sort of advice. And, and their basic view on was life is if, if you do the right thing, you kind of be okay in the end. Uh, and that was just far too simplistic a view. And uh, Job ended up worn out by their advice, quite frankly. And in the end, uh, God has his way and he shows Job his power and his wisdom. And he speaks to him particularly uh, through the work of creation. And Job owns up in verse two saying this, you recall this in the reading just now. I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Now, Job, his honesty is loved by the Lord, but the Lord isn't impressed by his friends. And at the end, we see the blessing upon uh, Job. And in fact, his friends are restored because Job prays for them. So the question I ask is this, are we like Job? Do we have a humble and teachable spirit prepared to accept that there's lots we just do not know? We've probably struggled with trying to make sense of the inexplicable suffering that we've seen all around us, not only in this country, but in the world caused by COVID-19. Now, we can think rationally as human beings about suffering until it lands on our doorstep. And then all of a sudden, all our theology uh, and all our reasoning gets really, really challenged. And this morning is just a chance for us to reflect together. And the question I asked first of all was, how was lockdown one and its aftermath for you? How's it really been for you? Maybe you don't really know. Maybe you can't really say. Maybe you said with the writer of Ecclesiastes in chapter three and verses four and five, that it's been the time to weep and not a time to laugh, a time to mourn and not a time to dance, a time not to embrace. And life has been an odd mixture at times. You may have felt it directly or not. We've known people who have died of COVID. We've known people who've got family who had people die of COVID. And loss affects each of us in very different ways. Some couldn't sleep during lockdown. Some had racing thoughts. Some lost their appetite. Some of us gained the lockdown stone. Others of us lost the lockdown stone. Others sort of found themselves slightly embarrassed to admit they were enjoying a slightly quieter pace of life. And as we approach lockdown two, I guess we have that range of emotions fashioned on what our first experience was. 
families tried to juggle home and work and schooling and everything else. And the losses most of us probably felt were broader than just the loss of bereavement, but they echoed certain things in us that uh, knocked on from the sense of change in our lives. And life in lockdown one certainly felt for many of us life on hold, church on hold. Zoom's great, but it's not quite the same thing, is it? There's folks who are watching at home today and participating at home feel differently from you worshipping here. And actually worshipping here, we feel stymied because we can't sing. And we feel stymied because we're reading each other through a pillbox. We don't really know what's going on. You know, is there a smile or is there a grimace? We just don't know. But we did have some positives arising out of the technology, and I guess we want to keep some of those things in the future. So what goes on when we experience loss? Well, a number of things. At one level, we're reminded, aren't we, of Isaiah 46, that human life is both amazingly precious and remarkably fragile. Isaiah writes this, all flesh, all human life is like grass. But Jesus said, even so, God still knows each hair on our head. This lockdown and perhaps our initial reaction to COVID, from which some of us possibly wondered if we might die, reminded us what we often ignore. And that is for all of us, our time on earth is limited. And as we grow older, we lose our sporting talent. We, use, we lose our confidence up ladders. We lose our confidence handling sharp instruments. We're just no good with the tennis racket anymore. We fall off our bikes. We can't find so like we did before. We can't paint with the dexterity and the sharpness that we once knew. But if we're younger, we didn't expect to lose out on the end of term at school. If we're of older school years, then we didn't expect to lose out on the prom. If we were and still are at university, we certainly didn't expect a freshers week without contact. And that's all about freshers week. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us have lost the ability to hug our grandchildren and other of us have lost the ability to hug our grannies and grandpas during lockdown. That has changed, but obviously some of that's creeping back in. So what happens when these losses affect us? Well, some of us deny it. Some of us laugh about it. Some of us may cry about it, and some of us may pray about it. And I suspect many of us have done all four, rather like a wave pattern. I want to say that the mixture of emotions we felt is absolutely okay. Do you remember that verse this morning uh, that we started with? Cast all your anxieties on the Lord. Being anxious is a feeling, it's an emotion, and it's one validated in scripture. We are human beings and our, our emotions count. We are wired not just to be rational, but to be creatures of the heart. In John 12, 24, Jesus, speaking of his own death, says this, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now, I don't want to make light of the experience we had during lockdown one and the experience that we're going to have during lockdown two. But is there a sense of resurrection that God will buy back and make good this calamity somehow? I remember a number of years ago, Rico Tice from All Souls said this, can God trust you with suffering? And that was remarkably powerful to me at the time because I was profoundly unwell. And uh, they were very pertinent words. Now, changes to lockdown one, after lockdown one, 
uh, may have restored the spring in your step temporarily. But I guess most of us last night had an oh my goodness moment uh, when Boris gave us the news. And we may have found that we've been on a strange journey as Andrea prayed. Not quite sure where or how it will end. You may have found yourself like the psalmist in Psalm 42 saying this, why my soul are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? You might have managed to add what the psalmist added or you may not when he wrote, put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Now this journey of loss is something uh, that C.S. Lewis, the writer of the Chronicle, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and all those stories, um, wrote uh, when he lost his wife. Uh, he wrote about loss or grief. Grown-ups call it grief, but basically grief is stuff that we feel we've lost, either people or experiences or things, okay? So C.S. Lewis was writing about the fact that he'd lost his wife, and he said this, I thought I could describe a state, a map of sorrow, Sorrow, however, turns out not to be a state, but a process. There is something new to be chronicled, to be written down every day. Grief is like a long winding valley, a winding valley where any bend may reveal a totally new landscape. There are partial recurrences, but the sequence doesn't repeat. Now, if C.S. Lewis is right, what's our lockdown journey? Who have we met? Old maps used to have uh, little signs in Latin saying, here are wolves. Now, some of us may have uh, encountered what felt like wolves on the way. And we've probably experienced loss in a variety of ways. We've, we've lost how we normally do stuff. Things as simple as shopping, playing sport, going out, being church together. We lost skills or we needed to find a new one. We lost um, our skills in sport temporarily. We had to gain new skills. We had to use the tablet for the first time or the smartphone. Our days weren't like normal, especially if we were at school. We had to be at home and mum or dad was trying to teach us and it was all a bit weird. It was weird for them and it was weird for us. Nobody felt they were quite doing things quite right. And finally, and perhaps most achingly, we felt distance and separation from people we knew and we loved, particularly family and very close friends, made all the more particular when that person was seriously ill or dying. And because of lockdown, we weren't able to actually go out and chat with our friends and maybe pray with them about stuff that was troubling us. And all this may have led to us fearing that nothing would ever be the same. And I guess last night's news may have had that impact on us as well. And as we turned various bends, we came across walls. There were walls of despair. There were walls uh, of uh, Bad thoughts, uh, walls of condemnation, because we felt we were coping with it worse than other people who seemed to be so much more spiritual and so much more together about it. We feared and we had the, the wolf of fear about what the future would be. We went through shame. Lots of things we met on that winding journey. But then we met a lion or we may have met a lion and his name was Aslan. His other name is the Good Shepherd, Jesus. It was a valley, very, very deep, very steep-sided, hardly see the sky, felt very dark at times, felt very lonely, felt very rocky. Our feet didn't feel in a good place. And maybe there we were reminded of Psalm 23, verses 2 and 4, when the psalmist writes this, The Lord is my shepherd, 
I lack nothing. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And Jesus Christ said this in John 10 and verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So we met wolves, but we may have met the shepherd. We may have met the comfort of the good shepherd, Jesus himself, in the midst of it all. Our hopes will be very, very different depending who we are and what experience we have of life and work, whether we're retired, whether we're young, whether we're old. In 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, we find this, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Do you see the link back to Job that Margaret read for us, which by the end showed humility in Job and he was lifted up by the Lord. We too are told to humble ourselves and that was a theme that was picked up in Andrew's prayers, to recognize the stuff we just don't understand. Not least our feelings and not least sometimes our behaviour. Know this, the Lord cares for us. He cares very deeply for each of us. We're not immune from anxiety as Christian disciples. If we were, Peter would not have written what he wrote. We're asked to throw our anxiety like casting. It's not a gentle, reverent, oh dear Lord, may I please give you my anxiety? It's not that at all. It's like throwing a ball at Jesus. And Peter says that because he knows the Lord can cope with it. Long term, everything will be right at the end of time. We have a long term hope that goes beyond a wild dream, but is something rock solid that's based on the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus laid down his life that the world might be put right with him. And ultimately, we'll see that. But we live in this messy time between the resurrection, between redemption and what theologians call consummation, when everything will be brought together in the Lord Jesus. And in these times, we know profound loss. Let's not pretend we don't. And 1 Peter 1, 3, 6 says this, as I come into land. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded. That's an interesting word. By God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Trials, yes. Losses, sure. Lots of unanswered questions, yes. But a sure and firm hope. Yes, because of all the Good Shepherd has done in history and still does for us today.